Hey, caffeinators. Welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend, Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Hello, caffeinators. Welcome back to uh, the Vet Tech Cafe today for another episode. Dave, uh, how's it going out there? Things are going good. I, I, everything's kind of finally winding down. The uh, The sickness that Robin brought back from VMX is gone and <laughs> has made it through me and... Uh, we're all COVID negative. I just got a really oh. bad man cold, so we're we're back back on the right track, I think. And all the good. animals are good now. Uh, the pony that was sick is is doing better. So good. Back on back on the right track. And has your uh, has your quarter inch of snow melted and gone away, and your your cold air receded? Oh yeah, well, that that <laughs> I mean that didn't last very long. But the 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 state thought it was the the right. impending doom right. of the apocalypse. Right. But nothing nothing like. Nothing like I'm used to and nothing like our guest is right, used to, right. I imagine. <laughs> well, uh, Caffeinators, thanks for tuning in today. You know, we really appreciate your support. We've had a lot of really great messages the last couple of weeks from yeah. new listeners and old old listeners alike. And we really appreciate the support. And thanks for checking out our website and, and continuing to support us through Patreon and liking us, subscribing, and sending us all the message. We, we genuinely appreciate it. And it, it's it's just nice to know that that we put all these episodes together and people actually hear them and and are interested in in what our guests have to say because we think it's super fascinating but um but yeah. sometimes you know you wonder about how it's going to be received but it's great to hear that the people are still enjoying the podcast so thank you very much for your support we really really appreciate it anything else on your mind dave anything new that you've been seeing out there uh no i like i said i we, we've been sick so i haven't worked a whole lot in the last couple of weeks so i I've been seeing my bank account drop. That's that's something. Because <laughs> as a relief technician, I don't get PTO. Right, so. right. But you know, picking up some shifts and getting back out there, I'm I'm actually going to be working at a, a referral place oh. this week. So I'm I'm excited to get back into doing some more referral work and getting away from the, nice. the GP work that I that I've been doing a lot nice, of lately. Nice, nice. How are things going out there? How how is uh how is the baby prep going? Uh it's coming along. We still have three months slash. We only have three months, <laughs> but uh, it's coming along good starting to change my office over to office slash nursery. So which will be a short term thing, but, uh, but yeah, it's coming along. Molly's doing good. well, which, good, which good, is good. really nice. So yeah, it's, it's going as well as we could hope. So that's, so that's definitely good. Um, one thing I wanted to, to say to the caffeinators, by the time this episode releases, the voting will already be done, but we shared a thing on our Facebook page, I guess last yes. week, um, Stephen Satal was up for, uh, nom- or nominated for an award through, is it, D- DVM 360? No, it wasn't DVM 360. The Bridge the, Club. That's, that's who it the was. Bridge the Bridge Club. Club. And uh, the he was the only technician nominated, and I think there was four or five uh, others that were nominated. And the the category was Paradigm Shifter. And you know we've had several guests on this show who 
I think we could easily slap a label of paradigm shifter mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. and Steven Satal for sure is a paradigm shifter. So, um, you know, I know you and I both voted for yep. him. Um, I know a lot of caffeinators have too. So just want to say thank you for the support there because being the only veterinary technician kind of nominated or selected for that kind of thing is while it's a big deal, I also hope somewhere down the road we get to the point where it's not a big deal right. and it's just, it's the norm, you know, it's yeah. the norm. And at this point in time, it's still not. And I think that's why, you know, he, shared it and, and it got so many shares kind of around was because it shouldn't be shouldn't be that way right. it shouldn't be um you know one technician that's that's getting recognized for that kind of kind of thing because we have so many in our profession that easily could be um so i just want to say thank you to everybody that uh that voted for that and f- that that shared it because um we'll see what the results end up coming out but um i know he has a lot of support for for that uh recognition so i think that's i think that was super yeah. cool so well, what do you think? Should we go ahead and get started with today's episode? Yeah, let's get get it going. rolling. Let's get going. I'm pretty stoked for this one. So uh, today we have um, Lorelai Devolio coming by the Vet Tech Cafe. Uh, she's currently the practice administrator of New York City's only standalone exotic pet practice, the Center for Avian and Exotic Medicine. I know we'll talk about that. Um, received her BA in journalism from Boston University uh, after earning a second bachelor's degree in veterinary technology from Mercy College in 2001. She has been exclusively working with exotic pets. She's lectured all over, nationally, internationally. She's authored and edited textbook chapters, journal articles, the whole bit. She's also a founding member and past president of the AVTCP, Academy of Veterinary Technicians and Clinical Practice. We're going to talk a lot about that. She's also a certified veterinary practice manager, a CVPM, certified for free professional, and in 2016 was awarded the Veterinary Technician of the Year Award from the New York State Association of Veterinary Technicians. Super cool yeah. stuff. So, Lorelai, thank you very much for taking some time out and coming by for uh, for some caffeine and conversation. <laughs> what can we get you for a coffee or a caffeinated beverage of choice? Well, thank you guys so much. It's great to be here talking with you. I'm I'm one of those kind of bougie coffee <laughs> drinkers. You know, like I'm like a oat milk chai turmeric kind That's of girl. That's different. All right. We're going to have to add some spices to the I've menu. I've heard of turmeric in the coffee. Is that do you just like the taste or but doesn't doesn't have like weight loss properties or like antibiotic properties? It's a fad. <laughs> It's supposed to have anti-inflammatory properties. Yeah. yeah it's one of those like, right. superfoods that's supposed to help with joint pain. You know, we're getting a little older. Everything's creaking and it's supposed to be good for us. And does it's, it alter the taste at all? Um, uh, No. I mean, it depends on how much you put in. Sure. But uh, no. Well, we'll get that going gotcha. for you. Yeah, we'll get yeah, yeah we'll thanks, coming right guys. up. Uh, so if you don't mind, I know I kind of hit on a couple of the highlights there in your in your bio, but if you would just kind of take us through your career path, what got you into veterinary medicine, some stops along the way to what you're doing now, and we'll go from there. I, th- I, mean, I think it started probably like all of the people <laughs> listening. I was one of those kids that was like, oh my gosh, an injured like frog, I must save it when I was like five, and you know, it just kind of went from there always loving animals and wondering, you know, what what my life could be like if I were to be able to work with them. But I I was also one of those young girls that kind of grew up not being uh, promoted in the sciences and math fields. I was always very much pushed towards English and writing. And, and I loved that, which is why my first degree was in journalism, which I enjoyed. And I had a great education. It was great. but um, And it's served me well in my writing later in my career. But it 
I just, it wasn't what I wanted to do. And when I graduated college and I moved to New York City, I was working in bars and just kind of figuring things out. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to see what happens if I walk into a veterinary hospital and, and volunteer, you know, to to work. I mean, I'll walk dogs, I'll do anything. I just wanted to work with animals. And it was super important to me because I was always into exotics that it was in a hospital that treated birds. I didn't even know veterinarians treated birds. So I, um, I opened the yellow pages because that's what we did back then <laughs> and <laughs> sent letters in the mail and I, you know, stamps the whole bit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, uh, so that I, and I got hired at a veterinary hospital that treated dogs, cats, and birds. I was paid like five twenty-five an hour, which was great. And I was bartending and, and day one, I was like, Oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I learned what a veterinary technician was. I didn't know that existed. And it just kind of started from there. It was, a, okay. it was a beeline from there. I knew 100% what I wanted. And it was pretty easy to move forward after I got a taste. And now you're working in an exotics-only practice. I, I've never heard of that. I've always heard – like I've wor- I worked at a practice where, you know, the doctor I worked with was the only one that would see exotics within like a 20 to 40-mile to radius. I, I can't imagine being a practice that only does exotics. That must be – extremely different than than what most of our listeners are used to. Yeah, I mean, so I'm in New York City and it was something that I I had two things I wanted to do when I was a new tech. I wanted to open uh, an exotics-only hospital and I wanted to create a vet tech specialty in exotics. I felt those were two things that were needed and I was like, I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I was like, that's just what's going to be. And... Um, just through many years of networking and meeting people and and working really hard to learn as much as I could about exotics, I had an opportunity and and took it. And it's been really hard. I mean, it is not, it is very different from dog and cat practice. We we do not make money the same way. It's a different world. um, And that's a whole, a whole podcast (laughs) in and of itself. But um, I will say that you know, we we have been here for 17 oh, wow. years and we are incredibly successful. We were purchased by a, a corporation two years ago for boatloads of money. We've got six doctors, 25 person staff, wow. and I just couldn't be more proud of, of everyone here and all the work we've done. So it's been great. Wow. Yeah, wow. that's amazing. And so, you know, when I think of an exotics only practice, I imagine primarily would be birds, say maybe rabbits, maybe some reptiles, what have you. I'm just curious, are there species that you see maybe regularly that those of us that have maybe worked in practices where we did see exotics, obviously not primarily, that we wouldn't really think about commonly coming to your practice? We we definitely see a ton of, you know, small to medium-sized birds and rabbits and guinea pigs. We see a lot of rats and hamsters and dribbles, all those, you know, pocket pets. Uh, but we do see an amazing amount of reptile species, mm. large exotic parrots, toucans. I mean, it's New York City. We see sure. weird things. Lots of hedgehogs <laughs> and sugar gliders. And, you know, every once in a while we see the more exotic, you know, potbelly pigs and pet skunks. and um, Ooh, Skunks. Yeah, all the little funny ones that people people pick up along the way. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's crazy. Just thinking about, you know, coming up from the days of... I'm gonna I'm gonna use this phrase now the the days of phone books, uh, in, in, into now. 
Um, how has the profession changed in your eyes? Have have you seen a lot of lot of change over the years, other than you know the addition of specialties and things like that? Um, I apologize for the sound That's in okay. the background. If you hear it, we love I, it. We love I, it. I, I tried to find a quiet place, but I am at work, and there's this bird room right next door, so <laughs> I don't know Perfectly what's happening fine. in there. So yeah, the prof- you're asking about how the profession has yeah. changed in respect to to what I right. do in particular. Yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with specialties coming around. Um, I know for I know for myself, I have seen clients want care for their exotic animals in the way that I don't think they used to know existed or mm. thought about. People are starting to expect specialty care. And even if it's an animal that only has a lifespan of two, two and a half years, they want those two, two and a half years to be high quality and they want to keep them around as long as possible. So things have really, really changed. I, I mean, it's been a long journey to make, to help, you know, push that forward. Um, and it's, it's still not probably where it should be in many, many aspects of animal welfare from the exotic animal perspective. But from the, you know, the veterinary, you know, management and business perspective, I, I feel like things have really taken off for for exotic pet medicine. People are, are expecting exceptional care for their exotics, which is great. Mm, yeah, for sure. So I mean, it used to be that, like, you know, you couldn't find a veterinarian and a team of people who would be able to take good care of a bird or a reptile or any of these animals. You know, it yeah. would be like a dog and cat vet that would try and that would do their best and had great intentions, but, you know, it's really they hard. They look it up in the one book they have doing... on exotics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. things have come a long way since then. That's, That's great. exciting. Yeah. For sure. So, you know, we had reached out to kind of have a conversation uh, about the um, the CVTS and and what that looks like and actually, you know, the application process for Academy. So let's jump off from there. First off, what is CVTS, if you don't mind kind of describing your role there and how you got into that, how, how it came to be that you got that position or, or started out on that? Well, so the CVTS is the Committee on um, Veterinary Technician Specialties. So when I was, so as you mentioned, I was on the organizing committee of AVTCP, so that's the clinical practice specialty that I helped form. And I don't know, I guess I thought it was like a mission of mine to take on as many roles as possible <laughs> in AVTCP. And one of those roles is being the um, representative for the CVTS. Uh, you know, each academy has a representative that is part of the CVTS committee to, you know, represent the ideas and opinions of their committee, I mean, of their academy. So I I did that for a while and was just kind of nominated to chair and decided it would be fun to learn a little bit more about this process. And, and it has been a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, that's how that happened. Awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you as a founding member and organizing member of I'm going to screw this up, but a <laughs> so many acronyms. AVTCP. There we go. There's AVTCP. So many, you know, being on that side of it and going through the application process, and now kind of being on the side of it you're on. You know, are there are there things that as as they were organizing and trying to form that you know you kind of took into your role now and said maybe we should look at it this way or or you know should we think about changing this or. Any, anything like that come up now that you've kind of been on both sides of that equation? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, in fact, we're in the process of rewriting 
the um, the guidelines or the policies and procedures, which is a huge task. The last time there was a rewrite was in 2018. So that's something we've been working on for at least a year and it'll probably take another year until it's um, finalized because it's um, it's really important, you know, everything changes from, you know, the technologies and, um, and innovations, and we need to we need to hold our academies to the standards of change that are happening. And that's kind of one of CVTS's roles is to make sure that we are moving forward with the profession. And so we're trying to reflect that in these new policies and procedures we've been working on. Gotcha. And, and just can you just give us a brief like look at, you know, somebody wanting to start a, a new specialty, um, what does that process kind of start out at and how does it get to you? So it always starts with a group of really motivated <laughs> technicians, right? right? <laughs> you know, there's so many uh, VTSs now that I think the amount of specialties that will come down the pike will definitely slow down because there really has to be a recognizable need. So that means, you know, you can't just be like, oh my God, I'm awesome at trimming nails. I'm going to have a VTS on nail trimming. Like you may be, and I am really good at trimming nails. Let me tell you, like you name the animal, I can trim those nails. But doesn't mean that we need a specialty about it. So the way it would work is you'd have a group of people. Right now, the guidelines are, I think you have to have a minimum of 10 people to come together. And those 10 people have to qualify by being exceptional in their field and having been credentialed for, you know, at least seven years and working um, in that specialty for that long. And they have to have a letter of support from a veterinary specialty academy as well, who basically says, hey, you know, we're the, you know, veterinary equivalent of the veterinary nail trimmers. And we think this technician, you know, VTS <laughs> is a specialty, you know, in the making. And then there's a, a lot of other requirements. Um, they have to submit a letter, you know, like a petition, a letter of intent, and then a petition that has everything from how they're going to create their bylaws and their constitution and how they're going to um, structure their credentialing process and their examination procedures. They have to be incorporated as a nonprofit. They have to have a valid financial plan. I mean, it's really like starting a, yeah, a business. Yeah, it sounds like. Um, it sure sounds like it. Wow. And so it's a, it's a big deal. It's a ton of work. And, and there are a couple on the pike right now that are coming along, and it's really exciting to see the numbers increase. It's really. Fun. Are you allowed to tell us what interesting what specialties are in the pike? Oh gosh, I don't know. You don't know. You don't know what they are. You know, don't know if you're allowed to tell me. I oh. do know what they are. But I don't know why. I, I didn't occur to me that I couldn't tell you. Um, I, I no. I think. I mean, I kind of think that people should know in case you're yeah. interested. You know, they're you should try to you know, join. Breaking news, everybody. People. They're right. <laughs> There's, um, I have word that there is a specialty for aquarium specialists oh, under the zoo specialties or, or with the awesome. zoo specialty. Also, a shelter medicine is looking mm. to start. Um, and I've also heard for a while now, but I've heard that education text is another one that would like to start a specialty. So, um, and, and more, honestly. So there's... There's definitely groups out there that are still looking to um, to form. I've, I've heard about the education one. And I, this was maybe five, six years ago that they were trying to it's do that. It's been a while, yeah. And I think the argument yeah. against it was that, you know, as a VTS, you, one of your jobs is educating. Like that, that comes along with the letters is that that you, have, you teach. Um, but I think, you know, having been a teacher, realizing that that is a whole separate thing. That's not just what 
that's not just us giving lectures. That's 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 a whole other ball game, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's been some there's been some struggles with the education specialty. You know, like the one argument would be that well, you could get you know a master's degree. It's true, sure. As an educator, and you can't get a master's degree as a, a toenail trimmer. So <laughs> right, right. You, uh, <laughs> you know, there's. There's other resources, but um, it doesn't mean it can't happen. Mm, um, sure. You know, I don't know. Sure. Gotcha. And so when all of these kind of components come together and they submit an application, uh, I'm guessing it's a whole group of people that review that for accuracy, for not, not just all the boxes are checked, but that this actually will work and that they've got everything that they need and the necessary support. What does that application review and approval process look like? And then what happens after that? Well, so the CVTS has a subcommittee that reviews all new petitions. Okay. And the, the subcommittee, you know, the CVTS is, is a large committee. It's not just the VTS academies. There's veterinarians, there's veterinary specialists, there's public members, there's, um, you know, a host of different kinds. There's unlicensed uh, non-VTS uh, credentialed technician. So there's a, a it, it's a pretty diverse group of people. Mm-hmm. And the subcommittee that is in charge of reviewing new petitions gets together and they start going through the petition to see what is part of our guidelines and what has gelled with the guidelines and what other things are, are not. They do get some opportunities to make changes. There's a lot of voting that goes on, not just within the subcommittee, but with the full committee. And then it obviously goes to NAFTA after that. So it's a it's a big process. Um, a lot of eyes are on the petitions and, and there's a lot of work that goes into that review process. Sure, sure. And then once they are, say, approved, is it like a, a provisional status for a period of time? Do they just become full accreditation or what does say, I mean, I'm guessing there's some kind of check and balance system that they have to recertify or something every few years, it just is. like, like we do as, <laughs> yeah, just as we do as, as actual, you know, VTSs. So how often is that? Like, what does that kind of look like? Well, so every year, each academy, each VTS academy has to um, submit an annual review. So they have to provide information every year about new members and growth and financial stability and any changes that may have happened in their bylaws or in their credentialing process. Um, So that's something that they have to pass every year. And there's, Mm. again, another uh, subcommittee that reviews uh, those. Then for the first 10 years of the life of a VTS, they are what are called on their provisionally approved academies. And after 10 years, they have to submit an even longer petition to become fully accredited. And basically that process and if you've been, you know, successful every year and things have been growing, you know, hopefully that process isn't going to be too challenging. But basically the idea is that you need to show that after 10 years, you are a self-sustaining nonprofit organization. And that means there's been sustained growth. You have um, updated your credentialing process and your examination process uh, regularly to, you know, by doing psychometrically sound job task analyses and getting your cut score pass points properly, st- you know, done with a statistician. There's all kinds of things that you have to make sure that you do 
regularly and at the end of the 10 years, you know, the idea is you, you prove that you've done it and then you are, you're uh, fully recognized. Gotcha. So we, my academy just went through that process this oh, wow. last year. Gotcha. I was just going to yeah. ask, and if, if not, if after 10 years, say you say that hasn't been proven, mm-hmm. do you maintain provisional status or is there a, like a step backwards? So that's where it gets a little tricky, <laughs> right? <laughs> Thus the rewriting of the policies and procedures. So the, you will, um, you know, the goal of the CBTS is to help these academies achieve sure. full recognition. You know, we, we want everyone to succeed. Um, but if an academy is struggling and can't show and demonstrate that they've done what they're required to do, they will be put on probation and they get a period of time to cure those problems, whether it's, you know, low membership interest and they need to show some way that they're going to grow that, whether it's, you know, financial problems, they need to show how they're going to rectify that, whether it's they've got, you know, a a problem with membership, like a poor performance, or if people have, there's a lot of drama that goes on within (laughs) each academies Mm -hmm. and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to make sure everybody's in good standing. So maybe that needs to be cured before. So, gotcha. um, but we, they do get the opportunity to, to fix things. It's not like, oh, you fail, you know, (laughs) 10 years of hard work. See ya. Yeah. Um, The idea is to, to figure out how to make Mm. it work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have joked slash, and Dave, we've talked about this before, but I've, I've joked slash threatened slash been very curious about starting a VTS in toxicology. But 20 minutes into this conversation, I'm not so sure I want to do that. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 no. Totally just, not No, no, I, no I, I, I know. It's just, uh, I, I have known for a long time, it's a mountain of work and takes a lot of time and effort on the parts of a lot of people. And, and I, you know, just that, that last point you made about, you know, the 10 years and sustainability and, and what have you, I, I think about it and I, I just, I, I, that's, I, that's one major component I wonder about. And it, it's, it's interesting to think about, but it's, it's, I, I've known for a while, I've, I've looked into it for a few years. I know it's a daunting process, but at the same time, it should be right. I mean, yeah, it, sh- it shouldn't be easy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The process is meant to be, you know, really challenging. It's, yeah. it's so it wouldn't be a specialty if right. it weren't, I guess, it, right? It, and it's it's not unlike the, the application process or exam process if you're wanting mm-hmm. to become a member right. of an academy. Exactly. It's, it's it's meant to be or just even your credentialing, you know, the VTNE. It's it's mm-hmm. not meant to be easy. It's yeah. you have to put in some work and some effort and, and make it happen. Oh absolutely. Nothing nothing I mean this is medicine. These are lives. We're right. you know, mm-hmm. if we're if we're really trying to do what we talk about all the time, which is advocate for our profession and let the public know, you know, who we are and what we're capable of, we we have to maintain those standards and and it should be hard and there should be people who who fail. Yeah, there's, right. there's always going to be for some sure. people who don't make it, you know. For sure. And and those that are res- responsible for or tasked with approving those steps or approving yeah. those like it, it has to be there has to be that check and balance or it's or you're, you're going to have vts nail trimmers <laughs> <laughs> well then, what, what's the what's the phrase uh, a path with no obstacles usually doesn't lead anywhere right Ooh, also like that mm-hmm. yeah, okay like yeah that's that. I, I i've never heard that uh all right so why don't we uh why don't we take a quick little break here and we'll pay some bills and yeah. we'll be right back after the break sounds good the vet tech cafe is sponsored by better help 
BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line, and it's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online that's more affordable than traditional in-person therapy and financial aid is available. Caffeinators receive 10% off the first month using BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, to join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Don't take our word for it. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily at betterhelp.com reviews. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash reviews. If you want to take charge of your mental health, visit BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe and get started today and get 10% off your first month. Be well, caffeinators. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Vet Tech Cafe, where you'll find the best virtual cup of coffee that money can buy. Uh, so, yes. so Lorelai, uh, we just had our ad for BetterHelp.com. Someone that has been doing a lot of things, like looking at your, your bio, there's You've got your hands in a whole lot of things. I just recently saw that you're a CVPM as well, so you you just don't like to not work. So how do you <laughs> how do you get away from veterinary medicine? How do you manage your mental health and and do you need help with that? <laughs> I you know what I am really bad at mm-hmm. it. Like I we we talk about this a lot, obviously, and at work and in this profession. I'm really bad at it. I don't, I do a lot of things like, so I, I'm very at, like I ride my bicycle to work every day and home, like through rain, mm. both some snow, depending on how much <laughs> snow, like I'm, I ride my bike, I'm active, I do yoga, I um, cook dinner every night. I love cooking and it kind of eases me out. And the one thing that I do, I've done every night for my life since I lived in New York City for the last 27 years is take a hot bath. Every single night. But that being said, I'm still very unbalanced. <laughs> I'm the first to admit that. Um, it's not healthy. I need to stop. Like we were just talking about on break. I like, you know, living in the city and, and constantly working is mm-hmm. really hard. But, I, you know, I do want to say one thing, though. I also, oh, my God, this is probably going to sound really bad. I am not ashamed that I like working really hard. Like That's, yeah. I I like answering emails first thing in the morning while I'm laying in bed. It makes me feel like I'm starting my day on the right foot. Like maybe that's my way of decompressing is, you know, getting things done, getting things off my plate. Um, I know that probably a lot of people would argue with that and it's probably unhealthy, but I just I don't know. I, I feel okay with it at this point in my life. I like working hard. I like keeping busy. I feel like I'm doing good things. And um, while I still can, I want to. I, mean, I, I guess yeah. my so. take on that is if, if it makes you happy, then yeah, no harm in it. Yeah. yeah. You know, if it's yeah. not an overwhelming or, uh, um, you know, uh, I, I have to do this or, you know, what have you kind of feeling, then yeah, yeah. I mean... There, there's something to be said for that. I mean, I, I think that's why we all kind of continue to take on new things. We enjoy it to some yeah, degree. Yeah. It's just at some point, you know, there's, there's maybe a fine a limit, line, right? but there's, yeah, mm-hmm. but, but, I, but I also, you know, you, a lot of the things that you said in your daily routine do, do sound decompressing in some, in some manner. And I, they are, yeah. 
know, yeah. I get my mind off of work, but I do go right back to it. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah. it's like, I usually don't take much more than like an hour to two hours off of work every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that would be the most. Like, maybe if I go to a show or something, then I'm sure. off. Yeah. So. I, I think, you know, one thing, and we'll get back to what we were talking about earlier here in a moment, but, you know, for me, I think the biggest thing I struggle with is, you know, I have a 40-hour-a-week job uh, with Poison Control Center, but the, the, the committees and the boards and different yeah. things, I'm I'm bad at saying... I need to do this for five hours a week or this for 10. Like I'm terrible with the time management <laughs> and mm-hmm. divvying out time to dedicate to those projects where I could maybe, you know, write those reports or send those emails with. That's what I struggle with. And that's where I end up ultimately getting overwhelmed. Like I just, it feels like it doesn't stop for me sometimes. And it's not that much. Totally. It's really not that much. I just, I, I, I feel like I'm just terrible with the management of it. <laughs> well, it's, we, we can't pick out those chunks of time either, right? It's, it's hard to just mm-hmm. say, like we had, we, when we were dealing with dog days, she asked us, how much time do you dedicate each week to the podcast? And we're like, uh, I uh, uh, we yeah, record for an whatever, hour or so. What, right. <laughs> but whatever that, whatever week, that is. week is. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's hard for us to like say, like, I'm going to clock in for the podcast for, for this set amount of time because it, not that it doesn't stop, but. There's no set schedule for things to happen. As much as we yeah. release episodes on the dot every other Sunday at 8 p.m., there's so much other stuff that happens within that two-week period that is not scheduled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think time management is probably, yeah, like I can schedule, like I know I'm going to take a bath every night, but I what I can't schedule is I've got proceedings notes due for a conference I'm lecturing at, mm-hmm. and I got to do a PowerPoint, and someone wants to have a meeting, and then there's, you know, I mean, there's just things all the time. Like I spend so much time on my phone putting in my schedule, <laughs> yes. you know, like, <laughs> like takes, I have to like schedule myself time to make my schedule. Yeah. But um, I... Yeah, you know, the committees and everything are hard, but I I just think it's I think for for me, this is just me, like I find it super rewarding right yeah. now. I think yeah. I think it's ex- it's an exciting time. I I feel like we're making progress and changes are happening and good things are happening and I I don't want to miss mm. it, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. Well, I, I yeah. guess as long as it doesn't take away from something else that you could be doing that would give you more enjoyment. Yeah. But it sounds like your work is right. giving you yeah. enjoyment, and so if, yeah. It does. Yeah, yeah it does. absolutely. You do you. I'm probably missing out on yeah. other things. But okay, <laughs> maybe. We'll see. I'll tell you in another 10 years. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so take us back to, to AVTP, AVTCP for a moment <laughs> and, and brag on your academy. So it's, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, there's canine feline and exotics, two separate branches. Is that right? Yeah. So we have, there's small animal, which is actually separated into canine feline okay. and then a feline only specialty. Oh, right. I forgot about mm. that. Mm-hmm. Then there's exotics. Um, and we also have production medicine team. Hmm. It's okay. a small group, um, and we definitely would love more production medicine members. But, you know, we, we model ourselves after the ABVP, which is the American Board of Veterinary Practitioners, and they're the ones that have, they've got feline and canine feline, and they've got production and equine, and they've got all different kinds of specialties. So we're, we're kind of modeled after them. Okay. And we are, uh, as, a, as a specialty academy, we kind of think of ourselves as, you know, the most exceptional general practitioners, <laughs> you know, if that makes sense. It's yeah, kind of an oxymoron, I like it. <laughs> right? And 
you know, people are always asking me questions like, well, so, you know, I, I, I work in a general practice. I don't work in a teaching hospital. I don't work at a university. Can I still specialize? And the answer is absolutely you can. Yes. If you are exceptional and working with great people and um, seeing interesting cases and are, are brave and, you know, motivated, you can absolutely do it. Gotcha. Um, and, and AVTCP is one route for doing that. So is there, so you said there, there's a exotic branch of the AVTCP, but there's also a VTS in exotics, correct? Or is that, that's oh, us. that's the same there's thing. A, okay. So it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought they were yeah. two different so, things. No, well, there's zoo medicine. Right. That's a different um, academy, but our, our VTS is clinical practice exotic. Okay. So we're exotic animal practitioners that work in clinical practice. So we're, we're treating pets. We're not treating wildlife. We're not treating zoo animals. We are not doing anything beyond owned. Right. So, know, so research animals, pets, gotcha. pets. Or research animals wouldn't be. Right. Okay. Exactly. Maybe that's where my confusion was. Might have been. Yeah. Lab animals, mm. a different specialty too. And so how many VTS exotics are there? And then in the whole of the AVTCP, how many people, how many um, academy members are there, would you say? So in all of ATC, AVTCP, there's about 50 well, we just got seven new members. It might be almost 60 now, which okay. is, it may sound like a small number compared to like ECC and internal medicine, but we're actually like the uh, fifth largest group. So there are some significantly mm-hmm. smaller groups that are that are behind us in as far as numbers. For exotics, we have, I think there's 12 of us. Okay. So not a ton, but, you know, we're getting more and more every year. We're administering the exam in April to, I think, four exotics people, which is super mm, exciting. Awesome. Two of which are in uh, Australia. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. Are yeah. they going to be the first international members? Other than Canadian, yeah. Okay. We've got some Canadians, but they're our first across the, well, bigger than the pond, I guess. <laughs> right, right. That's <laughs> <The> ocean. awesome. <laughs> Many oceans. Well, I think sometimes with the numbers, we look at them and we say, oh, ECC has... I don't know what we're up to now, 580, 590, something something like that. But Mm -hmm. we've been around for 25 years. And some of these other specialties have not been around for for nearly that long. How how long has Exotics been around for, your your specialty? Well, so we we just got our full full recognition. So we we have been around technically for 10, 11 years. Okay, okay. Nice. Yeah, you know, and there are a lot of VTSs that are are never going to be that big. Um, Sure. They're just never going to be huge. Well, I guess I shouldn't say never. Who knows (laughs) what's going to happen? But there's just statistically not as many people working in, you know, clinical pathology as there are in internal medicine. Sure. But when we first started, there was three of us in exotics. And over the years, we've had dozens and dozens of great applications not all of them passed, but, you know, it's so exciting to see so many different um, kinds of people working in different kinds of practices that apply. And um, it's just really, really mm. cool. Yeah. That's one of my favorite parts of, of serving on the committees for AVTCP is, you know, reading applications and learning about other people and how they practice medicine. Mm. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's made me so much smarter. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, and so... Skills list. You know, we we ask a lot of we've had a lot of different VTS academy members on and and kind of talk about their specific academies. And I think one of the things that I always find most fascinating is the skills list requirements and specifically for exotics, because I've never worked when I worked general practice. We didn't see exotics when I worked emergency medicine. 
we saw them, but of course we were very limited in, in what we did. It wasn't until I kind of, st- you know, my last maybe year or two there before I left that we had people that were well-trained enough to regularly do, you know, pull blood samples or, or do radiographs or, or different things. And, and then in my time at, at Tufts, of course, we had a whole exotics department that did all that. So I, I never really saw much of what happened, but I'm, I'm fascinated to know some of the, the skills that would be required or, or is there a requirement for a vastness of species that they have to work on? We do have a pretty robust species list. If you, you know, look at our application, it's, it's pretty big. I mean, you know, the, the skills list is honestly probably not that different from dog and cat. You know, we practice anesthesia. We practice all the same kind of anesthetic monitoring. We do tons of phlebotomy. We do eye exams. We do radiographs. We do ultrasound and CT. You know, like we're, we're doing all the same things dog and cat people do. Um, we're just doing it on different shaped animals with different body parts. <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think the things that are more unique to us are like disease processes and sure. pharmacology and that kind of thing is, is pretty different. But as far as the skills themselves, I mean, you know, you, you better know how to read that catnograph. You better know how to get those blood samples. You better know how to intubate an animal. You know, there's some weird things, you know, we put air sac cannulas in birds. Probably that's not on a skills list for most other I've academies. never even heard of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, they breathe through their bodies instead of their mouth. It's, I mean, birds are awesome, so that's hmm. just what they do. Um, we, you know, we do, you know, reptiles are totally weird. You know, they've got three-chambered hearts. Um, there's fish medicine, you know. I mean, there's all different kinds of this. So there's definitely some some weird things we do. But I, I would gather maybe... 75% of our skills are, are similar to dog and cat things. Like, like you, Jeff, that always fasc- fascinates me what's on other people's skills list. Because I, I came yeah. into this with, a, with an idea of like, I don't know, maybe you need to know how to do CPR on an iguana or what have you. But yeah. if, if it's just very similar stuff, that, that's... You still need to yeah, intubate them. Intubate. You still need yeah. to get their heart going. Yeah. They're going to need emergency drugs. You're going to still need to, you know, it's just different doses and in different, um, you know, rates right. of sure. you know, respiration rate and heart rate and all that. Yeah. Reptiles are kind of cool because, you know, you don't really have to pump their heart that frequently. So right. <laughs> a couple, of, couple times a, a minute, you're Do good. a beat and go <laughs> get, go get some supplies. Right. <laughs> That's so how the, I get so much done. I'm just that, yeah. <laughs> so then there probably is a fair amount of it overlap or similarity really then between maybe the the canine, feline, feline only, and exotics under the the AVT, AVCT, AVTCP, <laughs> my goodness. I'm going to get that before the end of the, no, the discussion here. But there there probably is a lot of similarity between all three. It's just different species. Is that fair to say? I mean, well, there, all, there's probably some intricacies here and there. but So when you have a, an academy, the only thing that is standardized across all of the specialties within an academy is the bylaws and, and the constitution, the way we score the, um, you know, the applications and uh, like deadlines and stuff. The actual applications are all, we, we divide those up. So like, for instance, I don't ever look at the canine feline stuff mm. or the feline stuff or the production medicine stuff. It's just not something that, you know, we just, you could, like, sure. it's not that it's like, it's just that it wouldn't be. So there probably are a lot of similarities. Um, gotcha. But it's not like they, it's not like AVTCP comes and says 
you will all have this on your skills list. There is no, nothing like that. We are all, we just make our decisions amongst our kind of subspecialties. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, as we start to um, approach an hour here, I don't want to take up a whole lot more of your time, but I'm just curious, is there anything about CVTS, AVTCP, got it, told you I would, (laughs) that we haven't touched on yet that you want to get out to our listeners, anything like that, that we've missed? we've missed anything. You know, I, I definitely think that with each new specialty specialty and with each new specialist that starts, we, we grow, you know, we're, we're demonstrating to our colleagues, to our peers, to our bosses, to our corporate owners, to the public, you know, our strengths and our abilities. And I'm really passionate about everybody um, all technicians really working hard to not just get credentialed, but then to specialize. It's um, it's a life-changing thing. I feel like it's something that we push ourselves and the results, you know, a lot of people ask, um, we'll do like round tables at conferences, like, you know, what are, what are the benefits? What am I going to get if I get my VTS? Yeah. And, I, and I think they want to hear you're going to get yeah. a raise. <laughs> right. and that's not yeah. really how it works. Like, Although I think it is more, I think, you know, we're, I think there are some practices that are recognizing VTSs and paying them a couple of bucks an hour more or something like that. But that's really not the reason why to right. do this. The reason to do this is to absolutely just grow and uh, become more knowledgeable about how, how these organizations run and how they work and how to, how to affect change. You know, the more involved you get, the more you see that it is possible to make changes. You don't feel so helpless all of a sudden when people are complaining about problems in the vet tech world, all of a sudden you have a voice if you're involved. So I, I just think it's important to make sure people are, are motivated and inspired to, um, to take part and not just sit on the sidelines and watch. For when I sure. think as as technicians, I, I would say um, the vast majority of us are are learners that want to get better, and I mean mm-hmm. that's why you have your hands in fifteen different things. Jeff and I have our hands in fifteen mm-hmm. different things, is because we want to learn more, we want to do better. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and just going for your VTS, I, I've said it many times: pass or fail, you're going to be a better technician without right. a doubt. God, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, we've had people apply two, three times, and and you can see year to year right, their improvements. Right. Yeah, and it's it's wonderful to see that. You know, it's it's really lovely. Yeah, um, for sure. And Lorelai, so now that we are, you know, kind of getting towards the end of your interview, who would you want to see in your seat next? Who do you want us to interview next? Uh, is there someone that you can think of that would be uh, a great guest, or even just a topic that we should explore? Not necessarily having a guest associated with it. I mean, guys have had some awesome people (laughs) here you know i think i think that you know using your voice to introduce people to a more diverse group of people would be cool you know like maybe some international yeah uh technicians um large animal technicians i'm always really fascinated by our production medicine group because they just do things so different from you know, what I do. And I, I think it's cool learning about in the same way. I hope people think it's cool learning, you know, when I talk about exotics that, you know, I think it's cool listening to people who do things differently. And so, yeah, I would say maybe look at some international, you know, I, I think it's really neat to read applications from people in yeah, Great yeah. Britain and yeah. Scandinavia and Australia, and there's some great stuff happening there. So maybe some voices. 
Jeff and I have been on have both been on the the committee for for ECC, and that's one of my favorites is reading the case yes. reports from from different countries because you're like, yeah. What kind yeah. of snake yes. was this? <laughs> no, totally. Yeah, right. Totally. Yeah. It's yeah. my favorite. Yeah, we, and we do have we do have some international guests in mind that we're we're on the pike, but yeah. if you have someone in production medicine that, that you could put us in touch with, that would be awesome too. We'll do, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that'd be great. We would cool. love that. We would love cool. that. All right. And well, now we are down to your vet tech cafe. Would you rather question? Are you ready for it? I'm I'm ready. I'm totally ready. Okay. All right. So we kinda Dave, before you Dave, before you do this, I just want to give a shout out to uh, my mother-in-law because she gave she brought us a book. Oh, on yes, Christmas yes. called Three Thousand and One This or That Questions," which are essentially "Would you rather" questions. <laughs> and and my mother-in-law Judy is a very very dedicated caffeinator. She listens to every episode. She's she was a she's retired registered nurse never been in the veterinary field although my wife is a is a veterinarian but um i she basically gave me this book because i think i texted you oh, yeah. on christmas yeah. day or whatever it was like just reading one page we got like 12 yeah. new great <laughs> would you rather questions so so we're we we have a whole lot of new uh, would you rather questions and i think this one comes or the base question we changed it for Lorelai, yes, but it for you. comes from that book so i just wanted to to say thank you judy and give give a shout out for this gold mine of a book <laughs> that will uh will for sure feed our would you yes. rather questions going forward all right Lorelai, would you rather be able to only communicate with using bird noises or guinea pig squeals oh that's super easy in fact i like it's bird noises. Anybody who knows me is going bird to be noises. laughing if they hear this. Like, they, <laughs> the, literally the other day, because I'm constantly making bird noises, somebody was like, I want to have a contest to see if, like, if you're out of the room, you make a bird noise, and then the bird makes a noise, and we have to decide who is who. And I was like, I can totally get into that. I'm really, I'm That's great. really good at bird noises. When, when I was when I worked in the general practice, I had an exotics doctor. Um, I was really good at making the the guinea pig whistle, mm-hmm. but I, I've lost the skill because I, I haven't done it in like 15 they years. They do make really good vocalizations, guinea pigs. They do, yeah, but especially when you scratch yeah. them at just yes. the right spot. They do a little purring. They do all yeah. this stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're cool. That's 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 totally something I would never really think about because when I had cats as patients, like if they meowed, I would meow back and like try to you know and and like have this weird conversation of just cat noises but i never really thought of that it would be the same with birds but <laughs> oh it's the same with birds they're so yep. vocal oh my god yeah, <laughs> and, and you know it's like each kind of bird makes a different kind of noise it's yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're really do you have a favorite i am very partial to amazon sounds amazon parrot sounds yeah oh, wow. they're pretty awesome there. All right. You must see some like right really on. like, you know, sometimes we, we scroll through like Instagram and see some of the bird videos and we're like, that bird's like $10,000 easily. You must see some really expensive birds. Oh, my you? gosh. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. That would wow. scare me. Wow. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for sure. it's probably like yeah. the people who work with horses. You know, have that's super true. valuable that's horses true, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. That would scare yeah. me too. But I, I think I think you're I think it's a lot easier to break a bird than a horse, isn't it? <laughs> I, I don't know. I've never worked with a horse. <laughs> You're, you're more likely to get broken by a horse than you are by a bird, I think. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I that think could that be is too. probably true. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Birds aren't as scary as you think. They're, they're pretty mm. They're pretty hardy if you're, oh. you know what you're doing. You know, it's funny, though, nice. when you said you were going to ask me this, because, you know, we always fool around at work, and you guys probably do this, too, when you, like, we don't do a, 
would you rather, but we do a how much would someone have to pay you? Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and it, of course, it always uh-huh. surrounds like something yep. really disgusting. Gross, like, yeah. I'm going to yeah. ask these guys, yeah. like, how much would someone have to pay you question? But I was like, I don't know how. Oh, go I for like, it. I don't know how gross yeah. I could be. But I, so I got a not too gross one, but it's, I think it's pretty good, okay? All right. Go for it. And, and so All right. when I ask these questions, people shock me because they'll be like, but I'd do it for 20. And I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> how much would someone have to pay you? For you to full on, full tongue lick a ringworm lesion, full on, like not like a little mm. tip of the t- like like a lick, like, yeah, like, like oh yes, groom. like grooming a crusty, <laughs> scabby, chunky ringworm lesion. The, the price is going up with every mm-hmm. description of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like for me this would actually be mm-hmm. pretty cheap because. I don't think it would absorb systemically. I don't, I don't honestly either. know. And it would probably mm. taste disgusting. And there would mm. be some hair involved, which would be a weird texture thing for me. But I don't think it would be that expensive for me. I'll, I'll take 500 for that. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say like 50 bucks. <laughs> All right. Good Sold. to know. Yeah. Good to know. Thanks. <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, for coming by the Vet Tech Cafe. I'm, I'm going to now have to have a beer to get that image out of my head. <laughs> But uh, we really appreciate your time uh, kind of talking to us about CVTS and AVTCP. I got it twice in That's a row nice. now. Good job, buddy. And uh, it's just, again, it's always super cool to to find out what technicians are doing with these different academies, but also the regulatory side of things. Dave and I have both been involved in that. And it's, as you said earlier, it's uh, there's a lot to it, but it's actually really rewarding work and and when you know i can imagine when a new academy is approved or applies it's actually probably pretty exciting mm-hmm. and, oh, yeah and I, I that's you know something that probably very few people in our profession see and i think that's that's super cool so thank you very much for coming and talking to us about it my pleasure thank you guys so much you bet all right caffeinators well it's great uh, great seeing you guys again uh we hope you guys are doing well and we will talk to you again soon Hello, caffeinators. We wanted to thank Dog Days Consulting for managing our social media and helping with the interior design here at the Vet Tech Cafe. They don't just do social media. They can help you identify your brand through brand coaching. The founder is a CVPM with 15 years experience in veterinary practice management. They are a small business proudly serving the veterinary community, and we are thrilled to be working with them. Check them out at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Hey, caffeinators! We would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts, or those opinions expressed by our guests, are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website, www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vet Tech Cafe, have yourself a great day.